Corner 3 Podcast, weekly tales of the NBA's hardwood from the suburbs of Cincinnati. Check us out at thecorner3.com. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another Quarter 3 Fast Break. I am one of your hosts, Alex Derrickson, alongside the big Sean Diesel, the Mac Attack, Sean Mackey. Sean, how are you doing today? I'm all right, man. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, but we are not joined by Tim tonight. Instead, we are going to be talking the Orlando Magic with our own... Zach Oliver for managing editor from the Orlando Pinstripe Post, the purveyor of the... Okay, I had a whole nickname lined up for you. I was going to call you the purveyor of the Pinstripes, patron, and I had a whole thing, blew it. Zach, how the hell are you? I mean, you kind of sound like the magic the last couple of seasons already, so this is this is off to a good start. <laughs> Perfect. But no, so, I'm good. Uh, I'm good. Thanks for having me on, guys. Oh, absolutely, man. Happy to have you. So go ahead, before uh, yes. before I pass the conversation baton after, off to you here, I do want to remind everybody a little bit of housekeeping. The Corner 3 is on Facebook at The Corner 3 Basketball. You can find us on Twitter at The Corner 3 Pod, Instagram at The Corner 3 Podcast, and you can also find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, where we have had tons of content coming up for you over the last six weeks. So go ahead, Zach. Let's hear about yourself. Tell us about your Orlando, uh, you said you used the term lightly fandom, and uh, how you how you got on with your Orlando Pinstripe post and what you do. Yeah, you know, uh, I'm actually originally from Southern California. Um, I only lived out there for a very short time, though I've spent most of my time in Orlando, so grew up watching T-Mac terrorize everyone, and that was that was a, a good time, you know. Yeah, the team sucked, but watching T-Mac go out and be a threat to score 50 every night was a lot of fun. Sure. Uh, no. Games... Uh, it was a Magic Kings game, I want to say, in 2001 or so. And uh, T-Mac got ejected for getting into a fight with Bobby Jackson. Nice. Uh, I think T-Mac called a timeout, and Bobby Jackson swiped at the ball as T-Mac was going up to take a shot after the buzzer sounded for the timeout. And instead of shooting... In typical Tracy fashion, he just pelted Bobby Jackson in the face with the ball, and all hell broke loose from there. Nice. <laughs> so that was a that was a good early memory. Um, you know, I, I'd say growing up a Magic fan, I was pretty lucky. Got to got to watch Dwight, and yeah, and, you know that that deteriorated about as fast as a. I don't even know where I was going with that one. Um, probably, <laughs> probably about as fast as the snow in Philadelphia when Joel Embiid. Oh. I, I'm saying Embiid's Twitter is straight fire. You know, he 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 did quote tweet Sam Hinkie yesterday and send him something that he wrote for the Players Tribune. Yeah, nice. I saw that. I mean, that how, was ma- how, how many players are going to do that? Just Joel um, Embiid. Yeah. Uh, but I'm going to my fourth year covering the team now. Um, admittedly, my, my fandom has gone down some, which I think is partially due to being non-biased towards the team as, as much as possible. Um, I see him in my third year with, uh, with Orlando Pinstripe Post. Moved up as managing editor last year. Oh, and it, it's all happened really fast and I'm glad that I get to do this because it's it's a lot of fun. 
know many 24-year-olds that can say they're fully credentialed in the NBA, so, or 23-year-olds. Dang. Awesome. Yeah. That's you really know, awesome. It could be worse. <laughs> I mean, I, I could be you guys hosting a podcast every week. Uh, but I see. I like doing this. And that's it for Zach. Thanks for, thanks for coming on, Zach. <laughs> Man, you know how to make a gal feel special. So I'm going to go ahead and hand it off to Sean here. I know he's got some questions for you. We're going to recap a couple seasons of the Magic, get into the nitty-gritty here and deep into the weeds, but we'll let Sean get this going. Uh, wait, you know, wait, we, have, we have things to recap from the last few seasons for the Magic? Yeah. Vucic not... got a double-double or 13. Yeah, you, can just you know. Go individually game by game on got... those. I mean, I, I got to go through the bad stuff, you know? I got to go through it so we can get to the good stuff. That's what I've been doing on all of our season previews. And sometimes, like, I have, like, a laundry list. I mean, for, like, Philadelphia, it was awful. <laughs> I mean, it was absolutely awful. But for you guys... For Philadelphia, <laughs> what you had to say was, do you trust the process? Like, yeah, and that's it's true. No, then you get rid of that guest and find well, the first person that does trust the process. Well, like the guy that we had was, he was ridiculously enthusiastic about Joel Embiid and where Philadelphia was headed and stuff. And I, it was actually kind of refreshing. And I, I think they're going to be kind of exciting this season. But we're not talking Philly today. We are talking Orlando Magic. Um, and it's interesting that, you know, you're a younger guy. So, um, you know, the era that you grew up, you know, watching T-Mac, who was just a phenomenal player. He's probably one of my favorite players of all time. And uh, it's interesting because not many guys uh, like him. I mean, James Harden is probably the, the closest comparison I could give to him right now with a guy who's just going to put up so many points and can just score so naturally and was so fun to watch. You know, even if the team is bad – you still enjoy watching the guy and T-Mac is, is one of those dudes. So uh, it's really cool that you, you know, you kind of grew up watching that. I mean, we're, you know, I'm free. So, uh, you know, like my Orlando magic fandom goes back to the Shaq Penny days and stuff. And it, I mean, it, it, it's, it runs deep with that, with that era. But I also, I'm really into the two, like the, the late two thousands era with Dwight and, uh, you guys had some ridiculous success. Um, you ended up making the NBA Finals once, which was completely unexpected and awesome because I was positive the Cleveland Cavaliers were going to make it that year, and I was so happy they didn't. Um, so, <laughs> but um, it, you know, it was funny. I was looking back at you know, kind of the you know the the late two thousands kind of rise rise to prominence again, and how many players went in and out of the Magic, and they were so willing to make trades to you know switch things up and everything. And I always really respected that. I mean, it's crazy to think you had Rashard Lewis at one point, Vince Carter, Gilbert Arenas, Jason Richardson. You had like all those guys within just a few years, and you shipped them out and stuff, and tried new stuff, and eventually, um, you know, Dwight left. Uh, which sucked. And it's funny because I used to follow um, Evan from your blogs, you know, Twitter all the time. And like, by the time that finally like hashed out and he left, he just seemed so dejected by like the whole situation. Yeah, that that sounds about right with Evan. Um, I will say this, the magic, like the, the late 2000s magic completely transformed the NBA. I mean, they showed that, it's possible to play with 
one true big and then four smaller guys. I mean, even, you know, look, they had Richard who was 6'10", and they had Hito who was 6'10", but neither one of them were true power forwards. They were both small forwards. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, they, they really trans they really transformed the game that way. And to your point about the rotating door of sorts that they had, I still think that that 2010 team is the best team in magic history. It, I, I think that that, that team, that was the best really, one. I think that they're better than the, than the Shaq team that went to the finals. Okay. That team, that team was, that team was good from top to bottom. It was. They, they, it was. They had really good balance. So I, I completely it, agree. And I mean, I mean, you had, uh, I mean, you had such a deep bench too, yeah. which was just like such a contributing factor uh, with that team. And there were really no holes at all. So I mean, they were. Right. They, you know, I, I think people don't look back, or I don't think they're going to look back at that team like they did the Shaq Penny era, just because Shaq was such a phenomenal, you know, superstar at the time. Um, and it's unfortunate, like you said, because they they were a great group of guys together, and Hidu Targalu and everybody and everyone just meshed so well. Um, yeah. But um, let's 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 just rewind back to last year. Let's we'll, I'm gonna we're gonna go away from the glory days and we're gonna get into the nitty gritty right now. Um, you have a 32 year old, is that correct, or 34 year old general manager? I mean, um, Rob Hennigan. You're you're asking me ages. I he, he's the general <laughs> manager. Um, he's older than I am, so he's probably slightly more qualified. So yeah, I mean, but I mean, he is young. I mean, that is super yeah, young look, to be running an NBA franchise. That's ridiculous. They hired him when he was yeah. thirty. And so, I, I, I mean, think I was. I had lunch with another Magic blogger yesterday, and we were talking about it, and we both kind of agreed that. Rob's youth is going to probably be one of the factors that ends up costing him his job here soon because so much of the NBA and and so much of running a team is predicated on having those relationships, which Rob just doesn't have. Yeah. So when Rob had, had these pieces in Tobias Harris and Victor Oladipo, and even now still with Vucevic or, you know, look back with Maurice Harkless, even that he had to move, he didn't have that, those relationships to where people were going to take him seriously for what he wanted. So they were able to fleece him a little bit in some of those deals. Yeah. So that, that that's going to hurt him. And, you know, another general manager job, assuming he ends up getting fired in Orlando, which if things don't work out, I, I think that's probably what ends up happening. You know, if, if he gets another job in five, six, seven, eight years, when he's a little bit older, has more of a rep- reputation across the league, I think, he'd be really successful then. Yeah, I mean, he's. it's been kind of a mixed bag for him, obviously. And when I say mixed bag, it, it, it really it – he, he's done some, some different things. Um, and yeah. we're going to get into some of that because some of them I'm just downright confused by, and I'm, I'm sure you are too. At least I hope you are because otherwise I would just feel silly. Um, draft uh, Mario Hazonia. Uh, he's got some hype coming out of uh, – Croatia, he has an okay rookie campaign. Uh, what do you expect for him to bring to the team this year uh, since uh, Victor Oladipo is gone? Yeah, I think the, the big thing for Mario is just finding some cons- consistency with a shot 
because he really, I think he made some, some good steps last year. One of his, his biggest issues was his defense and Scott Skiles, you know, being hard nosed like he was, you know, held him accountable. Mario fucked up. Sorry, Mario, you're, you're coming to the bench now. Like, yeah, that, that's just how it was. I think that that really helped, you know, sure. He was still blowing some assignments, but he got a lot better from the start of the season to the end of the season. So it, if he can continue to improve on, on the defensive end, like I believe he will with Frank Vogel and he can, you know, find some more consistency offensively. Mm-hmm. I think he'll, he'll end up playing a pretty, pretty important role on this team who needs shooters. I mean, I, I jokingly said on another podcast last week that I was actually going to be starting a point guard more to shoot the ball than Alfred Payton. <laughs> you know, I mean, what, what, what's going on with that, with having Payton and Hazonia? Like, how's, how, like, in the scope of things, how's that looking? Like, what's that going to look like down the road? So, my understanding is that Alfred Payton is probably going to be the thing that ends up costing Hennigan his job because Hennigan is so enamored with him. Is it the hair? Um, I mean, <laughs> I, I hope so. I mean, his hair, his hair is phenomenal. Even better, it's even better in person. Like when you're standing next to him and it's just there, it's like, wow, this should just be put up on a pedestal or something. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I think that, you know, that that's an issue because Alfred, I think Alfred can be a, you know, probably a league average starter, which is fine if you have the players around him, which they don't. Sure. Yeah. So that, that's an issue there. And then again, with, with his own, it's just a matter of this is a break year, but this is a big year for him to take that step forward. And then next year is probably the make or break year for him. You look at the rest of the roster, Evan Fournier had a really good year last year. How does he do now that he's going to be playing shooting guard again without Victor Oladipo there taking a little bit of the pressure away? You know, how does Aaron Gordon do transitioning to playing the three from the four, which he thrived at last year? Mm-hmm. Who scores? How do they score? How, how do they score more than 50, 55 points a game? <laughs> that's, that's a good question. Hey, yeah. With likely a starting center that can't catch the basketball. <laughs> yes, I believe. Yes, I believe that Bismack Biombo will end up starting for them this year. I, I don't see them paying him eighteen million to come off the bench. Sure. No. Yeah. No. They. I. That's that's another thing I'm going to get into. Um. So uh, last the beginning of last season, you end up signing Tobias Harris to a uh, three year contract, and I, I really like Tobias contract. Harris. Four year. Four year. I'm sorry. And um, he's. He's, he's traded to Detroit for Ilyasova and Brandon Jennings, which is a great trade for the Pistons. But um, Brandon Jennings leaves, and Ilyasova is eventually moved um, for um, – he's part Serge of that Baca. deal. Serge Ibaka. So, so essentially Tobias Harris becomes Serge Ibaka, along with Victor Oladipo and uh, – uh, Demonis Sabonis. So you yeah. have, so you gave up. Now this is this is one of my big questions I am going to have. But uh, what when when you heard this trade went through, um, 
what was going through your head? Because I, I am just, I, what's going on there? Well, with the Tobias trade, I was a little confused because I thought that once they agreed to that contract extension with Tobias, it was just going to be a matter of time before they end up moving him. I thought that they, they had a really cap-friendly deal that was easily movable. So I had a feeling he would be moved. I didn't think they would do it that fast. And for that kind of return, clearly that was a move pressured by management and most likely Scott Skiles to try to bring in some guys who he's worked with before he knows what they're going to give him and to get some veterans in with the hope of making the playoffs, which even at that point, I mean, they're, they're pretty close, but they were never going to be a playoff team. They, even when they were 19 and 13 in December last year, I was saying they're not a playoff team. They're going to have a bad month here soon because they were playing cupcakes and then they went and won two games in January. <laughs> hmm. You know, it's like I it's like I saw something or, or something. And, <laughs> you know, there there was there was some pretty clear players buying out of what Scott Skiles was preaching by mid December. I mean, Victor Oladipo was moved to the bench at the end of November, and it really sparked the team. And Victor turned into a five-year-old who didn't get his toy that he wanted for Christmas. So with, with Oladipo and, and the deal with Abaka and everything, it, do you think that's too much to give up for what could be a, like a, just a rental of Surge? Or do you think that maybe they got fleeced on that? Um, not necessarily. I think that they traded a six-man at the end of the day in, in Oladipo. I'm... I, I'll say this: I'm probably lower than on Oladipo than a lot of people. I, I just I don't see it. When I watch him play, he looks like Jamal Crawford to me. Mm-hmm. Wade, which is an issue. You know, Sab- that's, well, that, Sabonis. That's a good. That's a good comparison. You know, I, Sabonis is probably like a seventh eighth man. I don't think he's a starter in this league, and I don't know if he really would have made that big of an impact right away. So. And then Ilyasova was just a throw-in. So, you know, at the end of the day, the Magic got the best player in that trade still. True. Sure. That's, sure. Yeah. Sure, <laughs> somewhat down here, but clearly he was not pleased with how things were going with Westbrook and Durant. So he had to do something, and, you know, that was sold. Maybe he has a big year this year because he's in a contract year and he's he's in a new environment where he's going to be – closer to the the main guy he could also have a bad year and if he walks he walks because then the magic have this extra cap room all of a sudden that they're not tying up into oladipo they have their their guy in, in evan fournier at the two they have mario azonia they have alpha payton so they have their backcourt there yeah they've got this money that they can go and spend somewhere else to bring in complimentary pieces around aaron gordon and bismack diambo so yeah, I, I think that they did a good job. I actually floated the idea to a Thunder writer that I know in probably mid to late February. Like, would you trade Ibaka for Oladipo straight up? And he thought about it. And I was talking with some people the night before the draft. I'm like, 
would you guys do this? A couple of them said yes. A couple of them said no. Next thing yeah. you know, Oladipo's on his way to the Thunder. So I think the deal makes sense. Once you add in the, the uh, Biombo signing, it makes slightly less sense, but I, I imagine we'll talk about that in a second. Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting. You had, you had Scott Skiles, like you said, hard-nosed coach. Um, people kind of stopped. They tuned him out again, and which is like it, – it's, it's kind of a running, you know, thing with 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 Scott Skiles. I'm I'm a Bulls guy, so I, I watched his whole era in the mid 2000s with them, and I loved what I saw. Then they did tune him out, and he was gone. But like, it was just kind of funny how he just walked away himself, which just seemed kind of you know unprecedented at the time. Because I was just like, really? Did he just did he really just leave? And then like eight days later, they they signed Vogel and. You know, I think Vogel's a great fit for the team. So, I mean, they obviously needed someone else to come in. What, what do you think about Frank coming in this year? Yeah, that whole thing was something that happened. Um, I, I'm still trying to process it all, and it's been five months now. Um, <laughs> however long it's been. Um, I was actually sick with a pretty nasty stomach bug. I woke up. I look at my phone. I have about 15 texts like, what the hell just happened? Oh, I just woke up. Keep scrolling. <laughs> oh, 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 what? Wait, what? Um, okay. And then Larry Bird, Larry Bird did and just decided, hey, let's get rid of Frank Vogel and bring in a worse coach who, for a different <laughs> voice who was already on the coaching staff. Hmm. Like, that's going to do anything. So then Frank Vogel just kind of landed in the magic slap, which worked out super well for them at least on paper now it's just a matter of of can Vogel take this slightly more talented team than last year and and turn them into something like he did with the Pacers which I think he can I think Vogel's one of the better best coaches in the league and he's he's good at what he does he's he's gonna bring in this this hard-nosed defensive system that is going to fit with the personnel that they have now they are going to switch everything. And it's going to be majestic to watch this team play defense until you, know, you just want to watch them play defense. I'll, I'll say that much. You don't want to watch what happens on the offensive end because it's probably going to result in Alfred Payton taking a contested 15-footer as the shot clock winds down, toss the ball into Bismack Biombo, and it just – bouncing off of his hands and going five rows into the stands. <laughs> so watch him play defense and you'll be happy. Watch him play offense and you'll probably need the strongest beer that you can find, which, you know, there's, there's some good places in the Orlando area from some good brews. So you know, <laughs> if, if anybody has recommendations or, or anything, I'm probably going to talk to you. <laughs> uh, I mean, I just go last, down and get drunk at Disney World, make a scene. Last week on the uh, last week on the Limited Upside podcast, Rescue Nation, um, I was asked to compare the Magic's off season to a style of beer and then a certain beer. So, yeah, 
um, talk to me <laughs> if you have, have any questions about Bruce. Um, um, but yeah, I, I'm excited to see what Frank Vogel does with this, this group of somewhat misfit toys. So looking over the roster and everything, there's a fair amount of youth on there in CJ Watson. And uh, so what is the current identity of, of this roster? Like what, like what do you see just kind of like, what is the makeup and foundation of this team currently? They're going to be a defensive team. This is Rob Hennigan has preached for the last four years. We want to be a defensive team. Mm-hmm. We want to be a defensive team. And then they started Nikola Vucevic at center. Yes. And Which I sure, why not? You start a guy you guys that got Biombo. You can, you start a guy that can't defend a rolling chair. You put Channing Fry next to him who pretty much a tornado out there just kind of spinning by himself, not knowing what the hell was going on. You got, <laughs> you got your backcourt of Victor Oladipo and Alpha Payton who are supposed to be these great defenders and sure they had their moments, but both of them also had their, their fair share of lapses, mostly Victor. Um, but now you've, you've got Serge Ibaka, one of the best rim protectors in the game. You have Bismack Biombo. Both of them can switch one through five. You have Aaron Gordon, who I think could turn into like a Sean Marion type mm-hmm. and defend one through five and play the three and the four and do really well because he has that kind of game. Sure. You've got Evan Fournier, who's, you know, developed quietly developed into a, a serviceable defender. I think yeah. he, he did a, a respectable job against threes last year, and I think he'll do a little bit better playing twos. And then you saw Bell for Payton. You know, those guys are just going to swarm and dominate everything. You know, you go to the bench, you've got DJ Augustine, CJ Watson, Jeff Green probably Nikola Vucevic. There's your offense right there. I mean, sure. <laughs> I think, I think you can enter there. The pieces are so interchangeable that you can fit the guys who are guys who can balance, but, but, but where's B that makes sense. Yeah. Standpoint, uh, standpoint and a chemistry standpoint. Um, one thing I wanted to go over, um, you guys go, you signed Bismack Biombo. We've already talked about that. Um, but I mean, he, he really got paid this year. Like I, I never in yeah. my right mind thought that, I want- that Biombo would pull out a $70 million deal, uh, you know, two years ago, I would have never saw that. And Evan Fournier, 85 million for five years, but you know what? Like, like you've said, he's quietly developed over the last few years, and I think he's vastly underrated for what he does. So, like, I'm, I'm almost okay with that. I, I still think that's kind of a crazy contract, too, but, I mean, it's just a lot of money to throw it to, guys. I, th- I think that the Fournier contract was, was pretty fair for a market value on who can – Evan can handle the ball some. He can score off the dribble. He's a good, good spot-up shooter. You know, like I said, he's turned into a serviceable defender. I think that's that's pretty fair for him. The Bismack deal is a little concerning. It kind of makes me want to become a backup center in the NBA and hope that I can uh, get that much money. Um, even standing at five five eight on a good day, five nine, even when the sun's <laughs> well, shining. Well, I mean, what's your wingspan? 
about that. Um, but I can, <laughs> I can defend the rim. I know that I can, I have better lateral movement than, than certain centers on the magic roster, but <laughs> I, I will, I'll drop, I'll drop this. My understanding is that, you know, and the magic are going to say that Bismack Biombo was their number one target because they can't not say that. My understanding is that they wanted Marvin Williams. When it became clear that Marvin Williams wasn't going to leave Charlotte, they panicked and they threw two Titanic-sized boats full of money at Bismack Biombo and said, come here, please, help us. <laughs> and I mean, now, they you guys... a, now they have a center who doesn't have hands, who can barely finish, unless the ball's like coming off the the glass sometimes and uh, might, you know, block three or four shots a game. But that's, hey man, he had, he had paying 72 million for that. I, I know it's crazy, but you know, it's funny. Like, I mean, had, had he not had those just few good games that he had against the Cavs, none of that happens at all. I, I agree. I think that nobody even, nobody goes after him. Like I just know. You just wouldn't have given him that much money. No, it, no, it, exactly, exactly. It's the same thing, like, Timothy Mozgov did nothing last year and got, what, $64 million on the – he was the first person to agree to a deal with the Lakers. Yeah. Like, who the hell else is going to give Timothy Mozgov $64 million? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> at, at least with Bismack, you could see a team that was – super desperate for that rim protection and, you know, the hope that they could develop him more would throw that kind of money at him because he had those good games. At least there's, there's that thought. Yeah. So, you know, what, one thing we've been doing with, tough. With, with everybody, uh, if you could, because no. you talked about having cap space, should Ibaka choose to walk and everything. So say you could, superstars notwithstanding, add a player, any player in the NBA, to the Orlando Magic roster to kind of get them to the next step and, and their evolution of, of hopefully becoming contenders again. Who is a player that you look at that you think that the, the Magic could really use? So if you've been asking this question to everyone, this this kind of makes me feel like I'm listening to a golf podcast I listened to. It's called The Clubhouse with Shane Bacon. He <laughs> asked what they've had to eat that day. So yes, it's one of those kind of questions. If, if I have a gun to my head and I have to do that, I want Tracy McGrady circa 2002. <laughs> um, is, that, is that an option? Like, Can I go back in time and just take somebody? No. Or do I have to take no. a player? Yeah. No, I just checked the Twitter feed, oh, and time travel still hasn't been invented yet. Damn it. Okay. So, yeah. um, well, in that case, I mean, <sighs> can I have Kawhi Leonard? Yeah, I would. Sure. Yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah, because yeah, Ka- <laughs> Kawhi Leonard, Aaron Gordon, and Bismack Biombo playing defense right. would be absolutely terrifying and I just don't want the other team to score the ball ever like so uh, 
You could throw like Jody Meeks and DJ Augustine in the backcourt, and the other team <laughs> still wouldn't score. <laughs> well, Zach, I mean, before I, we catch you loose here and everything, uh, what's a bold prediction you have for the Magic this season? Prediction? Wow. Um, bold, I guess go I guess as bold the, as you want. The biggest prediction that I have for them this season is that Nikola Vucevic is traded before the trade deadline. Don't see how he ends up being on this team long term especially after the signing of, of Biombo this offseason. And I thought that kind of the same way with the Tobias Harris deal was they signed him with the, the plans to trade him down the line because that's, that's a really cap-friendly deal. I mean, Vucevic should fire his agent for agreeing to that deal. Like, I, I understand why he did because at the time, Vucevic was dealing with some concussion issues. So, yeah, that's understandable. No, but I, you're, actually, a double, you're a double. You're a double double machine who's still young. Like, yeah, you can't defend a chair, but you're still pretty valuable in this NBA, especially since he has the ability to spread the floor, and he's really developed into a good passer. So, yeah, he should be getting more than twelve and a half million a year. But nevertheless, I don't think he, not he's not in Orlando. Yeah, I you know maybe. Maybe he can be traded to the 76ers and he can start at shooting guard. And then they can just <laughs> they can run a lineup with like guard, Vucevic at the two, Elton Brand's corpse playing the three, Nerlens Noel and um, Jalil Okafor and just terrorize teams. Or, may, or they can trade for Michael Carter Williams and have even less shooting. <laughs> <laughs> Like All right, man. Well, uh, before we cut you loose and everything, go ahead one more time. Uh, Zach Oliver, if you want to, the floor is yours. Go ahead and oh, promote everything you've got going. Tell us where yeah, we can find I think you. That we're we're going to have a lot of fun stuff coming up here soon on Orlando Pinstripe Post. We've, we've got a, a cool thing that we're doing in partnership with the team this year. So, uh, we tried it last year and – we, we're getting a, a head start on it this year, so that's that's something to look forward to. I'm just going to give a very light tease on that. We're going to have a lot of season preview stuff. You can find me on Twitter, at Zach Oliver NBA. A lot of basketball, but I also talk a lot of golf, especially in the coming weeks with the Ryder Cup coming up. Um, I, I shared a, a story today that somebody wrote uh, about uh, the fact that Tiger Woods should be the final captain's pick for Davis Love. And it was majestic and beautiful, and I love everything. So you'll find that. And like I said, I'll probably talk about beer every once in a while. So if you have any questions or you need some tips on, on a good brew to have on a, on a Thursday night when you're lonely with no basketball, I'm, I'm probably the person to ask. <laughs> All right. Well, one more time before we go, this has been a Corner 3 Fast Break with Zach Oliver from the Orlando Pinstripe Post talking the 2016-2017 Orlando Magic season. I'm Alex Derrickson for Sean Mackey. You can find us at the Corner 3 on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. I'm Press X to Alex on Twitter. He's Sean underscore Mackey and Tim at Tim Daniel 24 And for all of us here, have a guys have a great night. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Corner 3 Podcast, weekly tales of the NBA's hardwood from the suburbs of Cincinnati. Be sure to add us on Facebook, Twitter, 
Instagram, and check out our brand new website at thecorner3.net.